Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. Hey, TJ. Welcome to the new week. Hello. Welcome to the new year. To the new, to the new year? What I mean is um, the <laughs> summer has happened to us and it feels like a new year. Yeah, some might even say the summer of fun, depending on which podcast you listen to. It, well, it's the season to be jolly, at least as far as the kids are concerned. And we can, it, it, it's, I didn't realize how different it would be to get back to normal life. And we just had vacation this past weekend. We went to Florida. There were people teeming out on the beach. It was amazing. And it just yes. feels like, I don't know, just after the whole quarantine time, it feels <laughs> like this is the beginning of the year. Uh, honest to God. Yes. No, it, it is interesting. Everybody is sort of relaxing a little bit. You know, uh, speaking of everybody relaxing a little bit, I, uh, my, my family and I, over Memorial Day weekend, we went uh, camping uh, with my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Uh, they came down and we went about 35 minutes away and went camping. And um, they have Verizon phones. We had a T-Mobile cell service and we had no signal at all. Couldn't get anything. Zero, zilch, zippo. And they had two to three bars of Verizon LTE that worked great the whole time. Mm, this <laughs> means you weren't really out in the sticks. Well, and I'm not one of these people that I I, I I need to get away from technology. I don't want any of it. No, I actually want my technology to work. And I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. I say we went camping. It was really my family who went camping. Every evening I drove back to the house to sleep because my back doesn't do camping very well. And <laughs> ah, nature it gets all over me and I want it off. So... <laughs> Um, yes, no, it it really, it's mostly, I just, if I sleep in my own bed, I know my back won't hurt and I'll get a good night's sleep and I don't get a good night's sleep camping and all that stuff. So anyway, um, it would, it would have been really nice to be able to communicate with my wife who had to borrow my brother-in-law's phone to call me then to say, Hey, bring X when you come do this, that text me and this and that, you know, and then she'll try to text me. Of course, then she remembers she didn't have cell signal and all this stuff. So it's just a pain on top of which my watch had consistently stopped working again on Sheesh. on cell on cell network on the cell network so anytime i would walk go running or you know get away from my phone and get away from wi-fi i had nothing on my watch and i was so did for you it. finally do it did you finally pull the trigger i um yesterday um went to the local verizon store and ported everything over to verizon mm. the, the, the the camping thing where they had lots of good signal and i had nothing was the last straw it that was just like, is pretty sad. I was just like, man, and it's not even that far out. Like, what are, what are you doing, T-Mobile? Come on. Um, I don't yeah. get that either because, yeah, like in a place where Verizon can get a great signal, T-Mobile just get the signal up yeah, on I the mean, same tower so already. We've, we've, we've known for a long time that Verizon has the most raw coverage, and I, I expect that. But this was a little much <laughs> for where we were at. And given all the trouble that I've been having with my watch – Um, it was just, I was just, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give Verizon the try for a while. So I'm on Verizon 5G, Joe, although, (laughs) although, so I've been doing some research and, um, 
so Verizon, um, of course, they've been pushing and they were the first to have millimeter wave, which you can't get unless you're in specific parts of downtown Nashville and yeah. other specific cities in the U.S. So millimeter wave is a very limited technology. Very good. It's going to be great for them in, in football stadiums and places where people gather in large crowds. Oh, like there's yes. going to be lots of stuff for that. But your normal what's what they call nationwide 5G is in the lower bands, right? And it's it's more like 4G. Uh, in theory, it'll be expandable into the future to be better. But right <laughs> now, they're doing something called dynamic spectrum sharing. So that means that they can deploy 4G and 5G simultaneously. T-Mobile and AT&T are both doing this as well. But they're able to deploy it simultaneously. Oh, I take that back. I think T-Mobile is farming. Uh, AT&T is definitely doing dynamic spectrum sharing. I think T-Mobile is doing separate spectrum for 5G. Anyway, um, so I did some research, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to turn 5G off on my phone for now and just let it be on LTE because 5G at the moment, because of dynamic spectrum sharing, is rarely faster than 4G for Verizon and sometimes slower. Um, so I'm in, and on top of which 5g takes more battery. So I've just turned it off for now. We'll see how that goes. It's been great. It's been fine. Um, I've got as good a service here in spring Hill and, and I've been on a run twice now since I, uh, since I got Verizon and I left my phone at home and my watch worked perfectly both times. Nice. That's so, what we wanted to hear. Uh, you know, I, the T-Mobile, only way could, they could sweeten the deal is if they had an excellent banking service. <laughs> I have I have made huge changes to my banking again my budgeting and all that but I don't want to talk about I don't want to bore the readers and we have so much to talk about today so well, did they have any other perks? Did they sweeten the deal, give you a free phone, do you a know, trade in? I'm actually paying about the same price that I was paying for T-Mobile. What the difference is is um, I could have gotten unlimited with Verizon, but unlimited was a lot more expensive. Where T-Mobile, my plans were unlimited, although they would throttle um, if you reach a certain point. I only I never ran into that throttle for regular data. They do track the data for hotspots separately. So, like if you turn on your hotspot and connect your computer. Which we did while we were on vacation. I let the kids with their phones like download this and that. You know, they they didn't have music downloaded that they wanted that sort of thing. And I did run into the cap on my hotspot. That was the only time with T-Mobile. Most everything else has been unlimited uh, as long as you don't go over a certain amount. <laughs> which is stupid to say when you say it out loud anyway yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot so anyway with verizon what i wound up doing is you know what i looked at our usage we never except for on rare occasions we're on vacation we never go over like 10 gigabytes between the two of us so i got their 10 gigabyte shared data plan and they have rollover from the previous month so if you go over this month if you didn't go over last month you can carry that data over for one month so that should cover us just fine. Um, and it's actually just a little bit cheaper than T-Mobile to do that. So I didn't even have to spend more money. Well, congratulations. Yes, I've been we'll with see. T-Mobile I'm... for seven years, and yeah. I definitely feel the the issue of not just not having any signal in places like my dad's house. I can't hmm. get any signal at my dad's house. Well, the next time I'm visiting, <sighs> I should come to your dad's house and see if Verizon has any signal. I, you know, I was with Verizon years and years ago. Uh, just it, w- it would have been, uh, you know, from 2001 when my dad and I got cell phones, um, and then I went off on my own after I got married and got my own plan with Verizon for two years, and then in 2007. Uh, of course, the iPhone came out and it was only on AT and T, and I switched. And AT and T was awful, but over over the over time, they got good enough that I didn't feel the need to switch to Verizon. Um, and and then um, it, we moved to the area that we're at now in Tennessee, and AT and T is the worst carrier in this area. They really are. And so then I just I felt huh. the need to switch to something, and I wound up switching to. Um, 
ultimately to T-Mobile. I actually tried a Verizon MVNO. Um, you know what an MVNO is? They're a no. A, <laughs> um, they are a carrier that is using someone else's network. Um, uh, it's called a um, something oh. virtual network operator. I can't remember what the M stands for. Uh, mobile virtual network operator. That's what it is. So um, we went with a Verizon MVNO. In other words, they were reselling Verizon's network. But I had a terrible experience with that. But what I determined from my research is that Verizon really deprioritizes MVNOs on their network. Um, and so, so far my experience with actual Verizon has been much better than that. So anyway, at that point is when I switched to T-Mobile, uh, via a roundabout way and then T-Mobile official, cause I went with a T-Mobile MVNO. And, um, so yeah, I've been with all the carriers now <laughs> yeah. and I'm back on Verizon after many years away. And it is a completely different network now, of course, because at the time 3G was barely a gleam in everybody's eye, you know, right. in, back in 2007, Verizon, you know, is rolling out their 3G network and now the 3G network is being ready to be shut down and everything's LTE and, and 5G. So we'll see. It's a completely different network and it seems fine so far. Uh, we're actually getting, my wife and I are going to tra- be traveling in a couple weeks for our anniversary. And so I'll be testing out the nationwide coverage of Verizon these days. Yeah. Many years ago, I was on AT&T. I had them for my home internet access as well. Then their customer service was so atrocious. Oh, I awful. threw them away and got T-Mobile and moved on to Comcast, which was not any better for the home internet. Thankfully, where I live now, I could use, what am I using? AT&T for home data, which has been reliable. I'm sorry. That's the thing. See, I don't have to actually deal with them. As long as I don't have mm. to deal with their customer service and talk to them, I'll be okay. For two years, I have not had to talk to them about anything to do with my account. And that has been great because I don't have to deal with them. And the internet service has been okay. Now, there is a uh, chance that I'll relocate in the next few years. And the, but I kind of want to stay put because one thing that's great about this area is that they are developing the what is it called uh, fiber, fiber. AT and T yeah. fiber. So do you have fiber? Not here yet, but it is very close, and I kind of want to get in on it. I want fiber <sighs> so bad. I would go to AT and T for fiber, but they don't have it in my neighborhood. They have it in other neighborhoods, but not in mine. I'm living in a somewhat older neighborhood. It was built in the '90s. Um, and, uh, the only thing that I can get here that is, well, I can actually get AT&T here, but it's DSL and, um, DSL is, it's gotten better over the years, but it's, it's peaked, you know, and, and it's, it's not as good as, as, uh, not Comcast. I have, um, a spectrum, I have spectrum, um, charter mm. internet and, uh, it's fine. It's cable. It's, uh, half a gig down and, you know, 20 megabits per second up and it's, oh. it's fine. So last question, and I promise I'll stop. Okay. Uh, anything that you're going to miss about T-Mobile? No, especially since I've de- decoupled. So after the 6S, the 6S was the last phone that I bought on uh, that was locked to AT&T that was being paid for by the plan, right? It was – I didn't pay for it outright. That's the last phone. Every phone since then I have paid for outright, including the iPhone 12 minis. Um, everything that we have now was is unlocked and paid for outright. And so – um, I've really decoupled everything except the actual cellular service from the carriers. And so switching is really the only pain involved is going and getting the numbers ported and then paying the activation fees, um, which are exorbitant. And then other than that, I'm just paying them to provide me with data and voice connection. So not really. I don't think that there will be anything I'm at. I will say that um, – I, I I would rather not have to deal with the customer service, but if you're going to deal with customer service, T-Mobile's is the best of the four carriers that I've been with. And um, 
but I, but, but they weren't even, even though they were nice and, and I liked talking to T-Mobile people and, um, they were very friendly, unlike some other, you know, that's the customer service reps with Verizon and with AT&T have always been a little bit kind of subpar, but I rare, I rarely talked to AT&T customer service and I expect to rarely talk to Verizon customer service. I was talking to T-Mobile customer service way too much because of my watch issues. And so, yeah, not really. Hmm. Okay. Then, uh, do you mind if I tell you about a little harrowing story that has a happy ending? Uh, should I, should I like cover my ears? It's a harrowing story. Is it going to make my give me heart palpitations? Or it what's could going give on you here, heart Jeff? palpitations. Okay. Uh, so, do you have any like uh, you know uh, anything healthy? Uh, any uh, beverages or let me let me, let me get a sip of my water. Okay. Okay, I've taken a drink of water. Good I don't job. Know if that'll help. All right, and deep breaths. So. We went to Florida this past weekend, and while we were down there, we are coordinating to find parking spaces and get to the beach with uh, all the children and all the relatives and enjoy our vacation time. It was great. And it was a little tricky to be carrying everything we wanted to take out onto the beach and bring it all back to the car and carrying those bags, having to rinse off sand, you know, and our flip-flops and get wet and it's really bright out there and distracting. And Why where do are I the kids feel gone? like I know where this is going? It's very disorienting. It's very disorienting. Got across the street to get to the other parking lot in front of the bar and you get over there and you pop open the trunk of the car and you're putting everything in there and you got to remember so-and-so wants their water bottle, so make sure it gets to them in the front seat. And who's taking the bicycles back to the house? Anyway, I I'm trying to be careful here and I put down my my keys and my phone down onto the a spot on my car just above one of the tail lights on the driver's side with the oh Joe with the trunk open. You should have a rule, never do this. I I have a rule that I will never let anyone else do this. <laughs> and the and I'm used I'm the one using the trunk. And so I, I put like a, a, a sticky note the size of Florida on my mind <laughs> that I'm not going to close the trunk until I get the keys and the phone back up. But uh, un- I couldn't have ever predicted this, but my wife trying to be helpful started to close the trunk. So I watched like in slow motion <laughs> as the pointy end of the trunk metal lining goes right down into the gr- glass of my iphone 12 pro oh my word screen. joe i'm i'm cringe i'm I, I feel like i'm 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 having heart palpitations and i need I, my smelling salts I, yes and i'm thinking okay uh what do i say well how do i how how do you react to this and the best i could do was a very like uncomfortable i, I could not put it into words just at the moment i, I just went like <laughs> that that seems like the appropriate reaction. Yeah. And um thankfully she she had her hand on the trunk. So she was trying to close it and her you know she's using her own force and she's swinging it down when she heard me she like eased up on her speed closing the trunk and and so she you know she just kind of gave it a little bit of resistance and it goes thunk into the screen. But if I hadn't, if I hadn't reacted, it could have been so many more pounds of pressure, you know, in just a split yes. second. 
and a real um, test for the Gorilla Glass. It is, and the iPhone 12 screen, the 12 Pro screen, is superior to the 12. Sorry, to the 11s screen. So I've heard. Not on the back, but it is on the front. And uh, wouldn't you know it? It it definitely cracked the screen protector glass that I had on the front of my 12. Oh wow! But by any measure of an iPhone 11 or older phone, I really believe it would have cracked the screen. Hmm. And it didn't this time. So hmm. my screen is unscathed. And yeah, I'm going to just get a new screen protector. Maybe this is a reason why I should be running a screen protector as well, but I'm not. You know, I'm not a super fan of screen protectors. This is the first time I've done it in years. And I am so glad I did. Yeah, it seems providential, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, you know, and honestly, I, 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 part of me, TJ, is like reaching the point where, given how much we have to replace these things, I don't want just Apple Care. I want to like not take my phone out in public. <laughs> I just want it to be safe. <laughs> I just want it to always mm. be in my pocket. But you can't do that when you're wearing your swim trunks. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, although if you get some trunks with pockets and you have a way to zip it in there, like the iPhone is waterproof to you know, up to 30 meters or something like that. So, yeah, the, unfortunately, my swim trunks only had a back pocket. So mm, if I had done that, yeah. I would have sat on it at some point. So, yeah. And not to mention, if it's an open pocket, that iPhone is going to go for a swim without you at some point as you're swimming. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, do you actually get into the water on the beach? I never get into the water. I, I mean, I, I soak my feet, but I'm not no. going to get up to my head. It depends. Was this the ocean? Ocean. Yeah, yeah no, I don't do that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> not my thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that your iPhone survived. It's near too. death screen experience. It's near screen death experience <laughs> and that it is now uh, safe and sound. And I assume you have a new screen protector and all is right and well in the world. Yes, I'm ordering the new screen protector tonight. Uh, thank you for ah, the reminder, okay. actually. Mm, mm. Well, you better put that in your to-do app. Can happen. Joe, I want to tell you about the new Apple TV Serial Remote. Do you have yours yet? Oh, yes. We both got the Apple TVs, okay, right? right? Or well, did you just the, get the remote? I just got the remote. I have I have an Apple TV 4K. I didn't see a need to get another Apple TV 4K, even if it's like got a newer processor or whatever. I don't care. My TV is just a 1080p, and so I don't care about 4K anyway, and I guess it would be better 4K? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, mm, that's a good question. Yeah. So the the new Apple TV Siri remote was, I mean, the old Siri remote was really my only complaint about the Apple TV. I tried to defend it in the early days, and I just gave up because it was just an awful remote. Um the many problems with that remote are are um, it's it's hard to detail them all. Like the biggest problem really is that huge diving board of a trackpad area that you can accidentally brush and lose your place in a movie anytime you pick it up. Um, and uh, yeah, just not not great. Um, and 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 difficult to tell like when you pick it up what the orientation of the remote is. Um, this this new remote is so much easier in both of those aspects. So first of all, you have the D-pad slash scroll wheel. And at first, Joe, I don't know about you, but the first thing I tried was going to some show, movie, TV, whatever, and and trying to use the scroll wheel. And I like couldn't a get it to work. iPod of old. 
Yes, I started scrolling and the 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 scrubber bar just went back and forth with my thumb. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this doesn't work. What I I, I this, what a rip off, you know. Ugh. And I'm ashamed to say that that was it. I I didn't I didn't try anything more. I just thought, well, it, I, we just it's not going to work the way we thought it would. Everything else about this remote is fine. Well, it turns out I was listening to a podcast and they said, oh, because one of the uh, people on the podcast said I can't figure this out. They had the same problem I did. And he says, oh, it was uh, you know Mike Hurley says, well, let me tell you what you need to do is you rest your thumb on the wheel for just a second, and then all of a sudden the interface changes and a wheel comes up on the scrub bar, and then you start doing the whole scroll wheel like you used to do in the iPod. And that is fantastic. It works great. It's huh. a little undiscoverable, but once you discover it, it is such a better way to to scroll through a movie or TV show and find a you know a place because you can you can go slow and it, and you can go fast and you can just keep right on going. Because one of the problems with the scroll pad or the touchpad on the old remote is it was very small, and so you would scroll a little ways and you have to lift your thumb up and go over and scroll a little bit more. So if you're trying to get to the end, you're going to flick 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 flick. This is just <laughs> one continuous newest motion if you're trying to find a specific spot in that thing which comes up once in a while you know it's like i want to see this one specific spot or i i remember where i was or, or whatever it is you know and so the scroll wheel works amazingly because it's just you keep scrolling it and it's just it's great um so the scroll wheel is great having not having that big diving board glass thing on the top is great um and so it's slightly thicker bigger and longer and it's just not a lot but it's enough that it makes a difference it feels great in the hand um, I love having the mute button. Um, I trained the IR uh, to mute my uh, sound system just like I used to have. You know, I retrained it with the IR for the mute button. Um, the D-pad is great. So one of the problems with the old remote is there was no way to do a fine control of clicking one letter over when you're typing or something like that. You know? oh, yes. So with the with the D-pad, if you want one, you just click the one of the edges of the D-pad and it goes over by one. It's so great. But, Joe, what I didn't know, I did not expect this. The whole area, the whole click wheel area and the middle button, like if you just roll your thumb over, it still behaves just like the touchpad on the old remote. And I like that because I yes. didn't – like there are certain ways in which the touchpad is great. But this – it's not the whole surface, so you can't like you know swipe over the edge by accident and, and lose your place. But it's there's still a touchpad there. It's wonderful. Yeah. The, po- the power button. Uh, thankfully, my TV does support um, what is it HEC or E H whatever whatever the control thing is over HDMI. So all I had to do was set it up and make sure my TV. I, I did have to go into my TV settings and go. Oh, apparently this hasn't been on, and I need to turn it on. And so now the power button controls both my TV and the Apple TV. It's fantastic. Sweet. Um, the one downside that I discovered. So what I thought I was going to do was my kids are really hard on remotes. They leave them laying around. They step on them. They crunch them. They mash them. They do all kinds of stuff to them. And so I was just going to say, you know what? I'm going to put this remote up on the very top shelf. You're never to touch it. You just continue using the old Siri remote. Turns out having them both paired to the Apple TV doesn't really work. Uh, it's um, it will kind of work sometimes, but mostly it doesn't. Like once one remote is is connected, the other remote just won't connect, and then you have to disconnect it, and then the other remote you have to repair it, and it's just it's just a huge disaster. So that's really frustrating, and I don't understand it um, because you can have multiple Bluetooth devices connected to things. I don't get it. Um, so that's a big bummer, but. <laughs> um, I've just I've actually just downgraded the kids to the old aluminum little sliver remote. It's like you get this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm still not letting them touch my new Apple TV remote. So that's my mini <laughs> review of the Apple TV Siri remote. Yeah, I would echo all of your praise. It feels really good too. It's a little bit chunkier. I think it could be a little bit like that 
bar of soap sensation on the hand because of the yes. finish of the aluminum. Mm-hmm. Wish it wasn't like that, but it's okay because it's a much lighter device and it's not got any glass parts that I'm aware of. So it doesn't get lost in the couch cushions as well. Not as easily, no. It does it still, still connect with a lightning cable. That's nice. And it came with one in the box with my Apple TV 4K. Yes. So I got the new puck. It has a slightly larger base at the bottom of the black, you know, Apple TV device, which mm. raises it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sort of the difference between like, say, the first generation Apple Watch, which was thicker than it is nowadays because they changed the base so that the newer design sinks into kind of like sits between the bones on your forearm you know Hmm. so the newer apple watch sits lower than the first gen apple watch and it's the opposite way around the apple tv 4k now is just a little bit taller but who cares who's measuring the outside of it looks identical they don't change anything about lights or buttons or ports then if you have them side by side on the same tv i've had both the older one and the newer one plugged into the same tv because i only have one tv in the house and when I went into HomeKit, it didn't know the difference about which uh, Apple TV I was trying to use for some of my HomeKit automation. Even though the earlier model, my older Apple TV 4K was off, it was trying to use HomeKit to send some of the you know, the automation to the inactive one while the other one was well, active. I don't have any smart one. devices, but I am given to understand by many, many people on many, many podcasts that Apple's HomeKit, Home app, all that stuff is terrible. Yeah, it, it is very inconsistent, but I do believe that a good deal of it could be blamed on your own home Wi-Fi circumstance. If hmm. if there's any shortcoming there, it's going to affect the Apple TV. It's it's very unforgiving. It's like if your home internet access uh, Wi-Fi is unforgiving, your Apple TV will be too. So that was um, the reason why I'm still using a plasma TV with four color that came highly recommended. It was like a five-star plasma TV back in the day by Panasonic. I'm still using it, TJ, and I know it's crazy. But the thing is running at 720p HD. But given the quality of the picture, that, the that's color... That's not acceptable. It, it's not acceptable, but I got to tell you, this TV is the one that keeps on giving, and it's really good for what it is. I, I think it was actually a, the same unit that many of the Apple stores were using 10 years ago. And I looked it up because they were using it, found that it had extremely good ratings. Then I found one that was in an open box at Best Buy and got a deal on it, like right before they discontinued the line. So, uh, yeah, I know my, uh, my TV is very long in the tooth and there's no excuse for using a 4K Apple TV on it. But what I was going for was future proofing. I'm going to spend $60 on the remote anyway. I don't want to buy the remote now and then a whole new Apple TV 4K device later and have two remotes. I'm sort of a one TV in my household kind of person. I could change my mind, but that's where I've been now for no, many I years. Mean, we've only ever had one TV in the house. And uh, the thing about this device, TJ, is that uh, Apple... Apple's marketing is strong, and I wasn't swayed really by the Kool-Aid for the Apple TV, but I I, I read in between the lines. I couldn't tell how much of this was just marketing or if they were honest about this being a smoother, better device because of the new processor. I'm going to go with marketing. 
I wanted to go with marketing too, but I, because we use a lot of streaming apps and games on the Apple TV, one of my favorites being a app called VidAngel, which is entirely dependent on AirPlay. I was really hopeful that the new version, the new device, would have more reliable AirPlay. And I'm happy to report that while nobody else is talking about this, I think I'm the first to say that I've been using a lot of AirPlay to stream movies and television shows from uh, the VidAngel app off of my phone and iPad, which are it's not terribly reliable, TJ, but I can report that this Apple TV has only... <laughs> run into a buffering problem where it froze up once. Whereas the previous generation Apple TV 4k, it would, it, it would just freeze up all the time. So bad that I had to restart so, my home internet Wi-Fi entirely. Have, which version of the Apple TV did you have? It was the, was it the previous 4k or was yeah, it the, the one before four, that? Yeah. The previous 4k. Cause that's, that's the one I have as well. And I never have any trouble airplaying to it. I airplay it to it from my iPad all the time because, um, I watch, uh, shows on the CW. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, but there are several <laughs> shows that I keep up with on the CW, the flash and, uh, legends of tomorrow and things like that. Um, and, and the CW does not let you pay to remove commercials, and I'm over their commercials. So I use a service called PlayOn, which is a, quote, DVR in the cloud, uh, which then records, and but then also has a setting where I can automatically skip commercials. But it does not have an Apple TV app, so I AirPlay it from my iPad to the, um, uh, to the Apple TV, and I've never had any problems doing that. Maybe my network is just really good. I, I, I want to say that your network is more forgiving than mine. Mm. I have, what is it, like an average of like 50 megabits down and 25 megabits up. And Wait, but that's your, that's your, that, that's your right? internet though, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's not your network connection because your Wi-Fi is going to be much faster than that. Now, mm. I do have a, a three-euro system in the house, a mesh network. Uh, so I suppose it could be attributed to uh, just a good Wi-Fi general Thing. It could be. I, I, I got the Eero 6 generation, but I don't have the mesh network. Mm. I just have the one there on my... my yeah, you know. my Eero's are first generation, uh, so... I don't know the difference between first generation and Eero 6, but I'm assuming it's the difference of about five generations. Eh, no, that's not quite that much. But um, it, it, there's definitely been improvements to Wi-Fi since I bought my Eero's several years ago. So thumbs up. Um, If I had to give it a star rating, like, you know, one to five stars, uh, what would you say you'd give that new remote? I'd say five stars. I there's mm -hmm. there. You can change something about everything. So I'm sure that the one change I would actually make is to swap the the play pause button and the mute button so that the play pause is the bottom button because that is by far the most used and it would be much easier to find if it was the first button your thumb hit. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go, I guess, with four and a half stars, uh, four and a half thumbs up. I don't know. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the Siri button on the side now matches the Siri button on the side of all the other Apple devices, which is great. Um, yeah, there were a couple of design choices about that remote that I don't know that are good or bad. They're just different and so they kind of break your muscle memory, the, mm. that being one of them and the mute button as well. I haven't had any trouble with the Siri button mm-hmm. being on the side, but I Me but neither. the mute button I'm constantly hitting mute instead of play pause and exactly. uh, no thank you I, I just swap the placement of the buttons and you could have maintained muscle memory and still had a mute button which is nice to have sometimes and 
uh, but but you're by far your most used is the one you want to be easily you know you, your thumb hits it and you click it. Um, I don't know. That, that, that's an interesting design choice. So it kind of knocks it off half a star for me. Otherwise, though, and I'll I'll get used to it. It's a great remote. Um, yes. This is the type of design I'm happy to see coming from Apple, and very very happy. It feels like a very Apple like product, but yet it feels like Johnny Ive's sensibilities have been excised from the company here. <laughs> I actually wonder about that because everybody's been talking about the iMac and whether or not Johnny I have had anything to do with it. I don't think he did. A recent report was that he was involved, but mm. to what extent nobody has any good details. I, I, I kind of wonder too about the Apple TV remote because I it's think not. not like yeah. him no i think um i think that unfortunately johnny ives I, I could believe it about the mac i don't think so but i could believe it about the the, the imac the the that tv remote apple tv remote i don't see an ounce of johnny ive in that apple tv remote um it's it's got too many buttons <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I can believe it about the iMac because they removed ports, they reduced buttons, and it was as thin as humanly possible. Anyway, this is not a review about the iMac, so. Nope, not yet. No. Uh, do we want – Joe, are you ready to move on or are you, you done with your Apple TV? Yes, please. So DubDub is next week for Dub-dub. those who don't know. It, that's WWDC or Worldwide Developer Convention. Uh, this is an Apple um, – Apple puts this event on every year. Last year, because of COVID, they went uh, remote only, you know, all through video, and it appears they're doing that again this year. And that's good for those of us who never get out – who never spend the you know, money to get out there to, to actually attend the event in person. Not that you even could in, in recent years because of how large it was. So the main event for most of us who aren't Apple software developers. I'm a software developer, but not an Apple software developer. I don't develop for Apple's platform specifically. So um, for those of us who aren't Apple software platform developers, um, the main event is the keynote, uh, which takes place on Monday of the week of WWDC. And so that's this coming Monday. And um, they they tend to uh, focus a little more on your average people just a little bit i mean it's still a developer conference but they 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 know that they have an audience of more than just the developers and so what we'll hear a lot about is and and this is um this is my general supposition is that yes they have introduced hardware at dubdub but usually and especially in recent years it's more focused on the software as it should be as a developer conference as a software conference so um i I, i'm getting ahead of myself a little bit but i'll just say that i don't think we're going to see much or any hardware at dubdub and i think that you know apple having just done an event that focused on hardware was kind of getting the hardware done and out of the way so that they can focus on the software for this event that's my personal supposition um i don't think that you know for instance there's some rumors about the macbook pro 16 inch which i believe the rumors but i just don't think we're going to see them at dub dub um people a lot of you know some good folks and specifically i'll point you to upgrade uh 355 and connected 348 they've covered this really well so i thought we'd take a little bit different tack than what they do instead of trying to predict what they're going to do at dub dub i thought we would talk about what we hope they do at dub dub and then give like a percentage chance of it happening right okay fair yeah yeah so um, I'll, I'll go ahead and just kick us off here and say that I would like to see a notifications overhaul on all platforms, but if they won't do it for the Mac, I want to see it on iOS and iPadOS platforms. Oh, please do. And it would make a lot more sense to do it on iOS because that would be the first place everybody would see it. And it yes. could trickle down to the iPadOS and macOS, you know, a year or two from now. Yeah, although if they do it for I, um, iOS, why not at the same time iPadOS? I, I mean, they currently have the exact same notification system 
system, so why not change them simultaneously? And then if you want to make it a little different on iPad OS because it's a larger screen and because of the affordances of iPad, then maybe you can tweak that and do that like with the next OS. But I would say let's keep those in sync maybe. That's my personal preference. Um, but But – even though I think the Mac notification system is by far the worst thing about uh, Big Sur, um, I don't I don't think that they're going to feel like they need to touch that this year. And and it is a different system from iOS's, so I'd rather them focus on iOS because it because even though Big Sur's notifications are terrible. I don't have to interact with them that much. I have to interact with iOS notifications all the time, every day. And this is one thing where. Uh, Jason Snell constantly talks about how he, you know, everybody loves Android notifications, but I don't because I don't understand them and they're awful and convoluted and I don't know what he's talking about. At least, and, and maybe maybe Samsung Android is different, but like I've had Google Android and OnePlus Android, uh, Oxygen OS and, and Google's own uh, Android OS, you know, and I... I found their notification system to be very intuitive and very easy to use and way better than – still way better than Apple's notification system. So anyway, I would like to see something more like that. I doubt if Apple is going to give us a lot there, but like there's some things that Apple can do here to really help uh, fix things. And the very first thing isn't even a notification thing. It's get rid of the issue where when you try to swipe on a notification on the lock screen, instead you open the camera. I want that to be gone, gone, gone. We already have a short. We already have a shortcut on the lock screen to open the camera. You just click and hold on the camera button. Why swiping opens the camera also is beyond my comprehension. And 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 I would say fifty percent of the time when I try to swipe on a notification, I instead open the camera. Oh, yeah, that makes <sighs> do sense. not want. I hate it. I hate it. Hate it. I never even use that gesture. I know it's cool, but it, it almost feels like something that carried over from a generation of I don't know a jailbroken iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, no, Apple added this before they added the camera button at the bottom where you can click and hold to open the camera. I use that all the time. I never intentionally swipe over to open the camera from the lock screen. Um, not intentionally, except I did just now just because. <laughs> but not, <laughs> not when I want to use the camera. Um, in any event, whatever they do, um, you know, the other thing is on Android, it was super easy to dismiss notifications with a swipe. And it feels hard on iOS. And I, I, I think it's because... A- Apple wants you to really commit to swiping that notification away and because what they because they're going to offer you some buttons when you swipe. It's like manage or dismiss or all these like the three buttons whatever they are, you know, go to or whatever and like then you have to swipe really far to get it to actually dismiss. And I wind up not even trying to dismiss it. I wind up swiping it a little and then hitting the remove button. So it's a two gesture thing and I find that really annoying with Android I always just swiped and it was gone. Um, I don't know what Apple's going to do here. I hope they do something. I give it, as far as a percentage chance, I give it a 50% chance of happening this year. <laughs> what do you say? I I would agree. That, that's the thing is that Apple really does like to dabble with a little bit of everything. And there's a lot of times when they emphasize the design versus features or vice versa or stability. But then they can also be an even about this over here is going to get more stable. This over here is going to get a redesign. And then we're going to throw in three or four new features and we're going to promise them that are never even going to show up. Uh, so <laughs> that guess is as good as mine. And I, I think 50% is a good guess. Okay. Do you have anything you want, or should I just go down to this list? No, keep it going. This is good. Okay. I want to see widget parity between iOS and iPadOS. So the issue right now is that widgets on iPad can only live in that widget column. 
And on iOS, on the iPhone, they let us put widgets anywhere on the home screens now. And Huge, I don't understand. TJ. Imagine a world where you can yeah. put your widgets anywhere you want. Imagine that. I don't understand why we can't put widgets on the iPad OS, on the iPad home screen. I want Apple to give us that parity where it is. there's no longer a split between iOS and iPadOS, strangely. So I give this I, – I think this is going to happen. I don't understand why it didn't. I think it's going to happen. I give it a 75% chance of happening. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I backed that up too. Yeah, good forecasting. Okay. Um, I would like to see more options for default apps. Uh, you know, I would like to be able to say my calendar app is Fantastical. So when you do a data detector and you detect a date and I want to open it or add it or whatever, open that in Fantastical and not the calendar app. Um, you know, I, when I click on an, on an address, I want it to open in Google maps and not Apple maps. I actually use Apple maps, but if I wanted to, I want to be able to say, open that in Google maps. Um, anything currently that is a system that only a system app can be opened from it. I would, I want Apple to give us the option to change the defaults there. Um, I give this a 35% chance of happening. I feel like Apple probably thinks, yeah, we gave them enough. We let them change their email app. That's and their browser. They're good enough. We, we, we fixed it. So I only give it a 35% chance of happening. Yeah, that's the thing is that that one I would predict is a little lower on their priorities. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunate. Yeah. Because it would be great. So, Joe, one of the features that I love on um, on iOS, I could quibble with some of the implementation details, but as far as a feature, I love it. And it brings us up to speed, essentially, with Android, which – because on Android, one of the things I loved immediately was I only have one home screen. <laughs> and I have way more apps installed than that that I use occasionally, but I only have one home screen and I can get to the app library and open – rarely used apps apple gave us that it's a little bit roundabout way to activate it but once you activate it you never have to see more than whatever you set up on your home screens ever again and all the apps live in the app library and then only a few live on your home screen uh i but, but strangely i you this is wonderful i love it but strangely it only exists on the iphone and not the ipad where arguably you have even more apps installed that you rarely use but that you want them on the big ipad but you don't want them to live on any home screens and you don't have to swipe around to find, you know, you just want the one home screen. Please bring the app library and the ability to hide screens and apps on the iPad, please. I give this an 80% chance of happening because I think that they've already implemented huh. on the iPhone. Why wouldn't they do it on the iPad? Okay, so I'm going to go with the 20 and you can be the 80 and I'm the 20 of the 80-20 <laughs> rule. You don't think they'll do it? Yeah, and the reason being that I know that iPad OS is expected. The, and there's a lot of anticipation building for iPad Pro professional, you know, sweet, sweet Mac-like features coming to the iPad. And they want to see things like Final Cut Pro or Logic Pro on the iPad. So it's really hard to believe that Apple would try to carry over a wonderful feature to iPad OS from the phone a year where for like the impression that they give to the general consumer and developers and the Apple enthusiasts is that look at this thing that was already on the on iOS, something that iOS, your phone alone already had. Well, you know what? It was so good we gave it to the iPad. No, like, like this is the season to be carrying Mac OS things over to iPad OS. So I kind of think it kind of sends the wrong signal that 
there would be commentators that criticize Apple if you give iPadOS something from iOS that it didn't previously have right now, then you're saying you didn't take the time to give the iPadOS some other greater feature or better app because you were wasting time on giving it features from Hmm. iOS in a year that we were counting on that iPad Pro to be able to do something amazing. I don't understand your reasoning, though, because they've already done the work. And does that just mean that this is a great feature to do, but they're never going to do it because it might make them look like they delayed it a year? Like, I don't understand your reasoning. I think the priority being we want to help people that are impatient for iPad Pro features Mm. and then another year when we have uh, already shown good faith to them like you know we did come through and we did give you a good creative professional experience on the ipad now that you're satisfied and y'all aren't huffing and puffing we'll go back and give you some of these other niceties that already came to the iphone because why can't the ipad have them but like so right now nobody is saying you know what i gotta have i've gotta have the i the app library i'm saying that yeah (laughs) tj i well i feel for you (laughs) Jason Snell is predicting that uh, Final Cut Pro will come to the iPad, and I'm I'm calling no on that. I just I don't know why but Apple. I see, and this is this is where I'm pushing back against you. I I think that Apple is though they call it the iPad Pro, they're not thinking about it correctly in terms of software, and they're not going to do that. Maybe I hope I'm wrong. I want them to start bringing professional apps to the iPad, but uh, and, and, and they, again, that app library is so good. They would yes. even frustrate us by adding it to the Mac <laughs> eventually to replace Launchpad or something and be yeah, like, well. hey, hey, uh, why did it take so long to get it to the iPad OS? You know, like, we get it the same year that Mac OS gets it in 2022 or 23. Then it would be because the iPad OS was focused on getting more professional features. <laughs> we already have an app library on Mac OS and it's called Applications. <laughs> it's the Applications <laughs> directory. And we already have a launcher on Mac OS and it's called doc um we don't in fact just i'll get to it in a minute but remove launchpad for macOS. okay so um yeah i i'm gonna say that's gonna happen just because 80 percent chance because they've already done it on the iphone i don't know why it hasn't come to the ipad yet i suspect maybe it has to do with the fact that apple didn't feel like they could just wholesale copy android i wish they would but they wanted to do like the categories right so when you swipe over the app library everything's organized into categories and in order to get to a alphabetical list you have to swipe down and then you can see an alphabetical list that would be difficult to replicate exactly like that on the iPad because the screen is so much larger. So I suspect that's the reason it hasn't happened yet. And I'm just saying, you know what? I don't care. I don't, I barely, I ne- rarely actually ever go into the app library. If I want an app that's not on one of my, on my main home screen, I pull down to search. Like that's what I do. So I, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I still feel like Apple's going to do it though. Okay. Yeah, I do the same thing. I, I do rely on the search. I'm not, I don't like search, but I rely on it because it is oh, the best job. I, I love it. Okay, so I want full external su- display support for the iPad. Please, Apple. Let like When I connect my external display, there's some support for it. iPad knows it's there. If you don't have an app that supports it or are not projecting a, a movie or something to it, then it's just mirroring your 4x3 screen. So even if you've got the 16 by 9 screen, it's mirrored and pillar boxed on your display. And then if you open an app that has a video or a keynote presentation or something like that, then it can make use of that display on its own. I want full 
similar to or like Mac OS or something, full uh, display support so that it can have its own apps on one display, you know, especially now that we've got the trackpad and, you know, in, in, in you know, other apps on the iPad display or however they do it, I want full support in some manner for the external displays. And especially, surely, now that we have M1 iPads, we're going to see more of these types of things, right? Please? Hmm? Please? <laughs> I, I give this honestly. I give this a twenty percent chance because I just don't, I think Apple wants to continue to think of the iPad as the only screen that you need in the one device. But you know that's what I want. Well, along the same lines of my argument for don't give the app library to the iPad because they want to make the iPad look more impressive by giving it pro level features and carrying over something over from the Mac. I want to say that the iPad <laughs> won't get this kind of display support because they're trying to make the M1 chips and the next generation M chips look really good on their next generation Macs. So they're going to say one of the features they could boast about the new generation of Macs is that it can support more displays. And if the <laughs> iPad has that kind of feature right before the Mac does, then they would then it would kind of make the Mac look bad. But <laughs> I know we're splitting hairs, so it's hard to it's hard to say. TJ, I, I I agree they should, but will they? Well, like I said, I only give it a twenty percent chance, so I, I I don't think that it's hopeless yeah. that they wouldn't do it, but I don't I don't really anticipate them doing it. So hmm. I I just don't think they think about the iPad that way. So um, even though they put the M1 chip in it, and we know the M1 with its integrated display technology supports at least one external display on a laptop-like configuration because um, I have a display connected to my M1 MacBook Air right now, directly connected, and it powers it just fine. Uh, anyway, I don't think they'll do this. All right, I want to see expansion of the control center for Mac OS. So they added in Big Sur the control center, and it's great. And only first-party things are in there, but all the things that used to be applets in the menu bar, they still can be. You can drag Wi-Fi up in the menu bar, Bluetooth, airdrop all the things that are in the display control center can be dragged into the menu bar but then if you don't want them in the menu bar and you just want them in control center that's great and that's a really great way to clean up your menu bar i have almost everything in the control center only and not in the menu bar and uh but then there's a situation joe where third-party apps don't have access to the control center they can't put themselves in the control center. They can't interact with it. And so we're still left with third-party apps using the old system of menu bar applets. And there are a lot of utilities that feel like – and I, I actually think this is a problem with the developer mindset to some extent. But they don't want to be windowed applications, and so they are only menu bar applets. And it drives me nuts. There are so many things in my menu bar right now, and I try not to install menu bar apps, but there's some apps I want and they just have to be. So they're up there in my menu bar now, and I use Bartender to uh, reduce the clutter and hide everything except for the very few things I want visible at all times. What I really want is to not have Bartender. Sorry, Bartender. I know you're a great app. You've served your purpose for many years, but I what I want now is for Apple to open up the control center so that third-party menu bar applets can now just live in the control center if they want to. Um, and uh, then I can get rid of Bartender and just put everything in the control center instead. That's what I want. Regardless, I want Apple to expand upon this concept of Control Center and macOS. I give this a thirty percent chance. I don't think I I don't think Apple's going to open it up. I think they want the Control Center to be their thing that's pristine and only their little applets in it. And uh, but that's what I want. I don't think you're wrong. Now, Bartender does a beautiful job of it's fine doing everything else that Apple could do, would do, should do. Mm-hmm. 
And this is one of those gray areas where we talk about apps that get Sherlocked because something is so good that Apple is just going to steal the idea and put them out of business. But this is one time where I think that even though Bartender is so good and anybody in their right mind would want to use it, they're not going to copy the feature set because it's sort of the difference between meeting the bare minimal requirements and making it, you know, sleek, simple, easy to use, user-friendly and minimalistic mm-hmm. versus giving you a very user-friendly interface that has a wee bit too many power user features. So if Apple ever did compete with Bartender, they would give you something that is more like control centers as we know them. Yeah. And the and so that is like their solution. It's more simple. It's more locked in. And then Bartender can actually give you a whole lot more power. And yeah, maybe there's room for them yeah. both to live there, but I would like to eliminate Bartender because yeah, right now, be essentially, nice. what I feel like is that there's two systems in my menu bar can, mm-hmm. where I'm hiding things. One is the control center, and the other is the three dots that I click to expand all my crap, you know, where of menu bar items, where it ex- expands over and, and starts to encroach upon my menu bar territory, my menu territory. Um, so I, I just want one system to handle that, and I want that to be Apple's control center. So, I hear you. That's good, yeah. I want Apple to remove completely and entirely from Mac OS their whole half-implemented, terribly implemented iPad window management features on Mac OS. I, I just don't want it. I don't want it at all. When I click the green button, I don't want to go into full screen. That is not ever, ever, ever what I want. I don't want to tile to the window to the left or to the right or enter full screen, all that stuff that in that drop-down menu that Apple gives you. I don't want any of that. I want that to maximize in a windowed window as Mac OS is designed to do in all other ways. The problem with all this window management stuff that they, they tacked on to Mac OS back when they were trying to make the Mac OS more like the iPad is that it's for the iPad and it's very poorly implemented in Mac OS and it breaks all the other conventions of Mac OS. So when I full screen a window, for instance, when I uh, go into the whole like, enter full screen and it slides over and takes over your entire screen the menu bar becomes hidden the dock becomes hard to access you cannot then use mission control to show your desktop when you have files you've dropped on the desktop you hit mission control show desktop doesn't work uh, it just breaks so many conventions of the way mac os was designed to work it's it was poorly implemented features tacked on just remove all of that and uh just remove it uh, there's there's things they could do to improve, and I think that they could really go for some really good window management stuff and keep in line with macOS windowed operating system. I don't think – all I'm asking for is to remove <laughs> these garbage features that I sometimes accidentally activate that I don't want. But if they wanted to improve it, that would also be great. I, I give this a 1% chance, <laughs> a 0.5% chance of happening. <sighs> hmm. <laughs> nothing to say just one percent chance wow yeah i feel for you tj that's rough you, you know if there was anything that apple could do for me I, I just have one request if i could ask if i could pray for if i could wish upon a star tj just one thing from apple i don't care if it has to do with hardware or software i i, I know this is wwdc but this is the one thing that my heart desires. I want somebody to replace the magic mouse. <laughs> it's Just, funny that you say that. I recently 
I've been having some trouble with my beloved MX Master 3. I've only had it for a few months, and really? I've been having – I think it's the mouse. I don't think it's – because I thought, well, is it my MacBook Air? Because it would – I'm getting this lag or this – it's like I'll be moving it, and all of a sudden the mouse will stop – the cursor will stop moving. And then all of a sudden after about, I would say, one to one and a half seconds, the cursor catches up to where I was going. And mm. I'm like – is it is it my MacBook Air? But then it started also doing it on my MacBook, my work MacBook Pro. I'm like, this is not the one. Both computers starting to no, something's going on with this mouse, um, and I've, I I can't figure it out. I've tried charging it to full. I've tried tried using it over Bluetooth. I've tried using it with its with its little nubbin connector. I it's doing it no matter what, and so I've stopped using it. And I tried using the Magic Mouse, um, which I have a couple of Magic Mice laying – Mice? Mises? Mouses? Um, I've, <laughs> I've tried using – I've had a couple laying around, and so I've tried using those. They work great. Like, there's no lag. There's no – and I love the the scrolling and all that stuff. But it just – like, there are things that, like, you can't do that, um, you know, like, for instance, drag and drop and then click a button. It shows the desktop. You can drag it on your desktop. There's just things that are part of my workflow that are very difficult to do. And so, you know what I've done, Joe? Especially now that I'm living the laptop lifestyle is I'm just using the trackpad on the laptop because I can do all those things. I can, I can be dragging with one finger and then reach over with my left hand and do the, the gesture because it does multi-touch and, uh, continuously, fluidly continue dragging stuff. I can show the desktop with a gesture of my, of, you know, swiping, you know, pinching out with all four of, all five of my fingers on my hand. And I can, I can go into mission control with a swipe up of my three fingers and, uh, all these things. It, like, so the trackpad is infinitely superior in most ways to the magic mouse um and i I tried better touch tool to activate some gestures on the magic mouse and what i found with better touch tool and those gestures was that i was constantly accidentally activating those gestures so that was a non-starter and i tried upping the um difficulty in better touch tool and that made it difficult to actually activate them when i wanted to and like i tried tweaking all that i've tried it all and i just right now i'm living the trackpad lifestyle i try i also have a magic trackpad but I found using a trackpad off to the side of the computer to feel very strange. Well, if I'm using a trackpad, I guess just because I'm so used to laptops, it feels correct for it to be directly in front of me. So I'm using the trackpad on the laptops right now. See, that's that's interesting. I have never been able to get to the habit of using a trackpad on a desktop scenario, but you're technically using your laptop. I get it. And I've also never been able to get accustomed to using the trackpad with my left hand. But it seems like it would be right up my alley. I, I really love using input methods on a desktop. I used to use trackballs, you know, the ones where the ball was so big it fit into the palm of your hand. Yeah, yeah. And you no, I'm, I'm familiar with sides. them. Somebody, uh, I used to work, have a coworker who could, would only use trackballs, and it was for like the RSI, you know, issues and stuff that he had. But I've, I tried it when he was around. I tried it and like, ooh, I, I, I can't. I hope I never get RSI issues because I couldn't. It was terrible. I couldn't control. I couldn't figure out how to get the mouse exactly where I wanted it. Yeah. And I, I really loved it and I did get used to it, but I wore those out. And they, I, at the time, you couldn't find new ones available anymore. So eventually I moved over to the Logitech MX Master. I have the first gen and it's worked really well all these years. Hmm. The only You don't have any is laggy the, issues with it or anything like that? I don't. And I'm using it on the uh, 2021 no, 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 the 2020-27-inch iMac. <laughs> and uh, it's it's worked really well. The only downside is that the battery is kind of weak, so I have to recharge it about every about mm. every week and a half, I'd say. But it's, it's totally easy. It's so worth it. Just plug it in and forget about it overnight. 
But besides that, I do need to get another one. So I was looking at the Logitech, Logitech MX Master MS, I think it is called. Is that like the, does that represent the second gen and you're using the third gen? Uh, I don't know about an MS, but, or there's a 2S, there's an MX Master 2S. 2S. That's it. Um, I really liked the three until it stopped working correctly. Yeah, and I've heard mixed reviews about every generation. People who talked really good about the first gen and then were unhappy with second or third. So one thing that I must have in a mouse, and uh, I had this with the Microsoft mouse via some software. Um, I had the Microsoft mouse, but it it finally – I wore it out after about a year and a half, um, and I want my mice to last longer than that. Um, I I must have smooth scrolling. The the MX Master 2, as far as I can tell, didn't actually have very good smooth scrolling. Oh, that's Um, too bad. The but but I want basically I want it to feel like the trackpad scrolling and I yeah, had that with I had that with the MX Master Three uh, via some software I use called Steermouse, um, so that was all fine. Um, but 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 a lot of mice you just can't do that very well with. Hmm, that stings. Yeah. Well, I guess I might be getting the three after all. But if it's not reliable, like well, you were saying it, for the horizontal scroll, it was lane. reliable for me for about six or seven months or whatever. Yeah, but oh, when you're gonna yeah. drop down a hundred bucks on it, it's gotta be the best you can get. I know, I know. That's what's really frustrating to me. Yeah. Well, anyway, we should move on. Um, no, stuck about this forever. No. Okay. <laughs> Continuing the theme of the iPad stuff on macOS, just remove Launchpad from macOS, please. It's garbage. I don't use it. It's, <laughs> it doesn't even have as much features. Like you can't do things with it that you can do with Springboard on iOS, but but yet that's what it's supposed to be. But it's just this weird, weird. UI convention for Mac OS. It doesn't Now you fit. got your MacBook Air right there in front of you, right? I do. Don't you notice, uh, isn't it true up on the uh, top row of keys that they got rid of the launch pad button? They did, yes. I think that could be a sign. This could be, yeah. this could be happening. So the, F, the function keys that I'm looking at here are brightness down, brightness up. They have still the mission control. And then you one gesture that I use all the time is the modifier. You put command and do mission control and it shows the desktop. I use that all the time. Uh, they changed the launch pad button F4 to search. So now that opens spotlight. Um, you have a – looks like I think – I've never used it, but dedicated Siri button. Uh, oh, no, dictation. Do you want to dis- enable dictation? No, please. Um, and then they have a moon icon. I assume that would put the computer to sleep. I've just gotten so used to doing Control-Command-Q to sleep the display. That, that's what I do. Then you have um, rewind, play pause, fast forward, uh, mute, volume down, volume up, and the uh, uh, touch ID. So, yeah, I, there is no um, – there's way more information than you asked for. <laughs> there, there is no lo- dedicated launchpad button on the keyboard anymore. I give, again, a 1% chance of Apple removing launchpad from macOS. But, you know, get rid of it. It's garbage. <laughs> Teach opinions. Uh, I want uh, – speaking of uh, that, I want on the iPad and iOS side, I want better home screen management Anything would be good. Um, they gave us widgets, of course. That doesn't really count because fundamentally, Springboard still works the exact same way it has since iPhone OS two. Uh, was it? It was two, and they started letting us drag and drop things, right? So basically, you get a row of icons, you know, uh, four wide and however many tall, and it flows. So you can only flow from left to right, and then it starts over on the next low row, left to right. You can't place icons anywhere in the grid. I'm fine with it being a grid. Don't let us place them like outside of that grid but why can't i just place an item in the bottom right and then have space around it why can't i do that give us anything here apple 
Um, I, I, I just, anything better. I, I, it's so frustrating to try to rearrange home screen, you know, icons on the home screen on iPhone OS or iOS and iPad OS, which I just recently did. I, I've consolidated down to a single home screen because I, I realized I wasn't using most of the apps on my second home screen and I had a weird split and I've just got everything on the main home screen now. Hmm. So, uh, but, but getting things where I wanted them was such a pain because half the time you don't mean to, but somehow you activate a hover over another icon and you start a folder. Do not want, I don't ever want folders i hate folders i don't want them uh and then but more than that like it's difficult to say i want this icon to be in the bottom left well you can't do that unless you have filled all the rest of the icons up so it's just a very frustrating experience so give us anything here apple i don't think apple's going to ever change the springboard and i give it a 10 percent chance i think you're probably right the springboard is so oh man apple-esque of them and yes. it, it just they, they, it's, yeah, it's, they can't take that out of their DNA. The, it is the bad tendencies of Apple that is present in Springboard. Um, it, it is more their DNA than the unibrow at the top of the phone. The what? You know, the notch at the top. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. One last thing, and then I don't know if you have anything you want to add, but I would like to see anything done to file management, the files app on <laughs> iOS and iPadOS, anything at all, any change at all in a positive direction. And I give this a 1% chance. There's a lot of people that have speculated that the finder is going the way towards the files app or vice versa. Uh, for, that at some point they uh, will I meet sure, in the middle. Yeah. I sure hope it's the other way around. The files right, yes. app has well, got to be more finder. Like the one thing I will say is Apple has actually been improving the finder in ways that are good for me. For instance, um, I, there, there's nothing about the finder. There, there's a couple of things I don't like, but in general, the way the finder functions has gotten better for me over the years. Um, for instance, if I'm in a directory and I need to see the hidden files as a developer, which is most of the time, I and, and for some reason it, it does revert uh, occasionally with, and I don't know why, but you can do command shift dot or command shift period, and it will show all the hidden files. That is a new feature as of Catalina. Um, you could not, there was no, you, you had to do a special hidden command and, and relaunch the finder after you issued the command back in the old days and now it is just a a key command shortcut in the finder that didn't used to exist so somebody's making the finder better in ways that are good for people like me like developers um i i don't know that we're going to get stuff like that on ipad all i want is just something better like okay here's an example if i want to copy something off of my file server onto ipad os uh into the files app on ipad um, I, there's no good, there's no good way to drag and drop when you're connected to a file, file server on my local network, but you can go to it. You can, can, you can mount it and all that stuff, but then you have to copy and then go where you want it in, in your iPad, in your local files and then paste. And if it's a large file, which often it is because it's like a movie or something that I ripped a long time ago that I want to watch on a trip or whatever. If it's a large file, it'll take some time to transfer over the network, say maybe 10 minutes. There's no dialogue to show that the transfer is in progress. There's no feedback of any kind. There is nothing. The whole files interface locks up, and you think it's just locked up. If you leave it alone and come back later, it's you. it will usually be fine, and it'll, it'll have transferred the file. But there's no dialogue. There's no it, – it just locks up, and it just waits – it's a single-threaded thing. It just waits until that's done, and you can't do anything with files, and you think it's locked up and dead. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> But I don't think Apple's going to fix it. I don't think they're going to do anything. I, th- I think they wish that they could pretend that files didn't exist on I- iPadOS, even still. Oh, yeah. They would. Yeah. They would do that. 
Do you have anything you want to add to this list? No, like I said, there's the magic mouse, to be honest. It, it's really bad. And I know that they just came out with a whole new IMX lineup. And that's why I was thinking about it, because all they did is gave, gave it a new coat of paint. And I am not as vehement about the power charger port being on the belly, which is oh, stupid. It's it so is, dumb. It is so dumb. So dumb. But what I find is that it, act, it aggravates my RSI. So mm. I love the idea of being able to use that smooth scrolling up, down, left, right gestures on top. And in a manner of speaking, I kind of like the form factor, but it hurts. It cramps up my hand. And Much like with the remote, they need to acknowledge that the hands that are using them are human hands that, yes. have, are, that have ergonomic needs. Like even if you're just thinking about how smooth scrolling works on the surface at the top of that mouse, it's a glossy coated plastic. So mm. with a little bit of friction on skin you know your your hands get oily texture or maybe mm-hmm. they're dry or mm-hmm. maybe they're mm-hmm. warm against that glossy plastic it just sticks and you're trying to swipe around the surface it, it, that, that's so dumb it, it it should be um like i'm using right now a logitech mouse and it's not the mx master here at this computer desk setup but it is so much better for the texture that I could see this texture being conducive to, uh, you know, swiping up, down, left, right. Like yeah. a matte finish, make it a slick matte finish on that. Make that aluminum apple so that that has got the bar of soap feel on your mouse. So as far as as far as harpooning the turtle to charge that mouse, um, yeah. The, the, I, it wouldn't be so bad if it would warn you at 10% that, hey, maybe you want to think about charging me tonight. But no, what my mouse has always done, my magic <laughs> mouse has always done, is it gets down to 1%, and that's when I get the warning. And then within an hour, it's dead. And so usually that warning comes in the morning or in well before – like I have more than an hour left in my day. And that warning comes. It's like, hey, your ba- your battery is almost dead. You might want to charge it. But it's only, I've only got an hour. And so like then it dies and then, I'm, and then my mouse isn't working because they didn't warn me at 10%. They warned me at 1%. Like why, Apple? Why? <laughs> So then, but then, it, and, and, but if they, so if they would make, had made it so that you could charge it while you were using it, like, like the MX Master, you can do that. You can totally put a cord in it and it'll just stick out the front like a regular mouse used to do. And, and you can be charging it that way and still use it. But no, Apple's like, no, you have to harpoon this turtle with this harpoon in order to charge it in the, <laughs> in the belly of the mouse. You have to stick that thing in there and you can't use it while it's charging because it's right on the bottom of the mouse. And even if you tried, I have tried, I've been like, well, what if I just like do it right on the edge no the mouse will literally not work while it is being charged (sighs) what percentage chance do you give apple of updating the mouse zero this zero yeah one one (laughs) percent zero percent yeah they're not gonna do it i don't think they think it's a problem that needs solved and i think they wish that everybody were using the trackpads to be honest i I think they think everybody should be using a, a magic trackpad yeah, Which I, I'll, I will that. give them – the Apple is really good at – there is still no trackpad as good as Apple's. There is yeah. none. Between the software that runs it and the hardware itself, nobody makes a trackpad as good as Apple's. They're, they're, like literally you can you can get any high-end PC you want with you know a laptop with a, with a trackpad in it and they're like, they're like using like a little rubber piece of – like and there's no precision there's no you know the scrolling is terrible and they've got like multiple buttons and like the way that apple has done their trackpads it's phenomenal like bring that thinking to a mouse but they're not going to do it Hmm. yeah 
That's nice. The, those are very interesting suggestions, and I agree with your ideas, TJ. Good list. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't have anything to add. I feel kind of weird, but like, I, I guess you are benefiting well, I just from came my list. Off a of vacation and I have other things going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to have yeah. loads of thoughts about WWDC after this. Yes. Night. So we are planning. We I know we're on a, on a biweekly schedule, um, but we are going to record uh, the day of WWDC uh, that evening, and we'll hopefully have an episode out to you Tuesday morning uh, with all of our fresh thoughts, hot off the press, to to let you know what we thought about uh, WWDC. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm on my work calendar and my, my boss does the same thing. So it's not like I'm doing something naughty, but on my work calendar, I have time blocked off so that on my calendar as not available so that nobody will bug me during WWE. Yes, I do the same. And, <laughs> and, and he and I, he and I will be, you know, chatting in our chat about in our work chat. We have a special channel for Apple events that we'll be talking about things happening. So, um, we will, we will keep an eye on things and we'll give our fresh thoughts hot off the presses next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, that is it for this episode um if you want to find the show notes for the, the few links and things that we'll put in there not a lot of links this week but there'll be a few um i'll link up uh, upgrade and connected and uh, i've got a couple of technical documents about what i talked about at the beginning of the show for dynamic spectrum <laughs> dynamic dynamic spectrum sharing that is a tongue twister uh <laughs> dss and of uh, Verizon 5g and all that stuff so those will be in the show notes that is at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 31 and we will talk to you next week 